Welcome to my podcast, Everyday Sublime, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I'll offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes, and it's my hope that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I'll be introducing a new series on the foundational elements of Chinese medical theory. In future episodes, I'll be looking at qi and blood, essence and meridians, all the various elements of Chinese medicine. But in this episode, I'll be talking about the intentions of Chinese medicine as one kind of holistic medicine and how those intentions differ from conventional forms of Western medicine. Okay, so let's get started. In this lesson, I'll be starting an introductory series of talks on the theory of traditional Chinese medicine. The intention of this series is pretty straightforward. I want to familiarize you with the core elements and concepts of Chinese medicine so that later on in later lessons, when I dive further into the functional relationships of things in Chinese medicine, you'll have some command of a basic vocabulary and a way of understanding what the terms that I'm using refer to. And as a general overview of this particular series, I'll start out with a bird's eye view of Taoism and then look more closely at yin and yang theory which is what the entire uh, theory of Chinese medicine is developed from. And then from there, I'll be examining the key components of the Chinese paradigm of human physiology and psychology. These key concepts include the concept of qi, the meridians, the vital substances such as qi, blood, and essence, as well as the internal organs themselves. And my hope is that this exploration of these key elements will provide you with a solid foundation from which to better understand the complex and dynamic relationships between different organs and meridians in Chinese medicine. But before proceeding to look at these key elements of Chinese medicine, I think it's important to step back and take a really big macro look at what kind of medicine traditional Chinese medicine represents. Broadly speaking, we might say there are systems of medicine that are holistic in nature, and those holistic medical systems are often compared to what might be called conventional Western biomedicine, sometimes called or referred to as allopathic medicine. And traditional Chinese medicine represents one kind of holistic medicine. Ayurvedic medicine represents another. But in general, a holistic approach to medicine will try, and I quote here, to promote optimal health in a person and as a byproduct to prevent and treat disease. That quotation is from Robert Ivker, doctor of osteopathy and former president of the American Holistic Medical Association. In contrast, he notes, conventional medicine primarily focuses on, quote, the elimination of physical symptoms and disease. So a holistic approach to medicine will formulate a diagnosis of a patient's condition by taking into consideration the complex dynamic of everything going on internally with that patient, as well as external influences of interpersonal relationship, work, and climate. In contrast, 
A more conventional approach to medicine will try to identify a singular causative factor that generates illness and which needs to be eliminated or suppressed. Now, in terms of treatment strategies, a holistic medical paradigm tends to focus on lifestyle factors, such as diet and exercise, as well as even attitudinal and behavioral modifications. But in contrast, the primary mode of treatment with conventional medicine tends to be either drugs or surgery. Now, based on this initial comparison, you might assume that I always favor holistic medical practice over conventional medical practice, but that would be an incorrect assumption. I believe both models have their respective strengths and weaknesses. Where conventional medicine is highly effective at treating acute and life-threatening illnesses and injuries, holistic medicine is less effective. But where conventional medicine is less effective at preventing or working with chronic illness, holistic medicine is much better suited in that it teaches patients to take responsibility for their own health, and in doing so is cost-effective in treating both acute and chronic illness, therapeutic in preventing and treating chronic disease, and essential in creating optimal health. Now there's a kind of yin and yang relationship here that we talked about in acupuncture school where, as a generalization, Western medicine is yang in nature. It's fast medicine that is strong at treating acute conditions that are serious and life-threatening. And Chinese medicine is a kind of holistic medicine that is usually, though not always, slower in terms of its effect, yet better suited for more chronic and long-term conditions. Of particular relevance to this discussion is the emergent discipline in Western medicine known as functional medicine. To my knowledge, functional medicine is very similar to the holistic approach found within traditional Chinese medicine. This is from the Institute of Functional Medicine's website. Quote, functional medicine asks how and why illness occurs and restores health by addressing the root causes of disease for each individual. The functional medicine model is an individualized, patient-centered, science-based approach that empowers patients and practitioners to work together to address the underlying causes of disease and promote optimal wellness. It relies on a detailed understanding of each patient's genetic, biochemical, and lifestyle factors and leverages that data to direct personalized treatment plans that lead to improved patient outcomes. By addressing root cause rather than symptoms, practitioners become oriented to identifying the complexity of disease. They may find one condition has many different causes, and likewise, one cause may result from many different conditions. As a result, functional medicine treatment targets the specific manifestations of disease in each individual. End quote. Now what is so striking to my ear when I read that is that with just a few minor changes of terminology, this could easily be a passage taken from a book describing the basic theory of Chinese medicine. In Chinese medicine, we speak repeatedly about understanding the root of the disharmony, and by treating that root, in addition to addressing the branch or symptoms of a particular disharmony, this approach to treatment is inevitably quite unique to the individual as each person will present with an imbalance unique to them. It will likely be helpful if you're new to this way of thinking to root this kind of theory of thinking about disease with a few examples. So here's example one, that of headaches. If you go to your conventional doctor and complain of suffering from headaches, they will likely prescribe some kind of anti-inflammatory drug, such as an NSAID, 
to reduce the pain and send you on your merry way. There is little interest in uncovering what is causing the headaches to begin with, or the specific manifestation of the kind of headache you're presenting with. There's a simple kind of linear thinking that says, oh, you have pain, take this, and it should go away. And in the event that it doesn't go away, they say, well, okay, then try taking this instead. From a more holistic model, as is found in traditional Chinese medicine, a lot more information on the pattern of what's going on is required in order to make an accurate diagnosis. The practitioner of Chinese medicine will ask you many questions about the headache itself, questions about its location, its duration, the severity of its pain, things that occur with it or accompanying it, or things that lead up to its appearance. You'll be asked questions about what makes it better or worse. And in addition to these questions about the specific symptom, the Chinese medical practitioner will also ask you myriad questions about your health in general. Things about your digestion, your sleep, your elimination, your overall energy, and what kinds of things you like and what kinds of things you avoid or that cause you aggravation. They'll ask you about your home and your work conditions. And then after gathering this whole web of data, the practitioner will start to identify a particular pattern of disharmony that supports or leads to the symptomatic presentation of, in this case, a headache. And it's only after a pattern of disharmony is discerned that the practitioner will then try to help rectify this pattern of disharmony with either acupuncture, herbs, dietary recommendations, or other lifestyle suggestions. So let me be very clear here. In Chinese medical diagnosis, one sign or symptom, that is in this case headaches, one sign or symptom like headaches might have five or six common patterns of disharmony that lead to the headache's manifestation. In the case of headaches from a Chinese medical perspective, many unique patterns may be causing the headache to arise. Some patterns are the result of external invasions whereby cold, heat, or dampness invade the body, usually with wind, to cause a headache. Or an internal pattern of either excess or deficiency gives rise to a headache. Internal patterns include liver chi stagnation, internal dampness, blood stagnation, chi deficiency, blood deficiency, and kidney deficiency, to name some of the common patterns we look at. The point here is that the trained practitioner must perform a differential diagnosis in order to determine what pattern is manifest in the individual resulting in the headache. And as you can see, the symptom here does not determine the treatment, but rather the underlying pattern of disharmony determines the course of the treatment strategy. And this was something that was literally drilled into us at acupuncture school over and over again. I can still hear my traditional Chinese medical theory instructor, Joe Kay, bellowing from behind his podium. One sign or symptom means absolutely nothing. Here, a sign is something that the practitioner can observe, like how a patient walks or the color of a patient's complexion. And a symptom is something that the patient subjectively reports. But one sign or symptom means nothing on its own in terms of helping us generate a differential diagnosis. So very often people will ask us acupuncturists, um, can acupuncture treat X? For example, can acupuncture treat anxiety? And on one level, the answer is no. Acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine does not treat one sign or symptom on its own. 
what Chinese medicine treats is the underlying pattern of disharmony that manifests with this specific symptom, in this case, anxiety. But in a circular sense, by addressing the underlying pattern of disharmony, the symptom of anxiety is also treated. Now, I really want to make this clear from the very first lesson on Chinese medicine because I think it's all too easy. And this seems just to be a general human tendency. But it's all too easy to reduce complex systems to simplistic systems. And with Chinese medicine, there's a tendency to reduce the complexity and power of its diagnostic methodology and treatment strategy to kind of a simplistic Mickey Mouse kind of Chinese medicine theory. How does this Mickey Mouse simplification show up, you might ask? Well, here's an example. Say you have headaches. Oh, you have headaches? Oh, I heard large intestine four point is good for headaches. So let's either massage that or if you're an acupuncturist, put a needle in that point. Here, no comprehensive intake was ever done. No differential diagnosis had been developed. No pattern of disharmony was identified. And as a result, there's no unique treatment strategy getting deployed. And that's not how traditional Chinese medicine works. Again, I hear my old Chinese medicine lecturer, Joe K. Booming, traditional Chinese medicine is not a push-button system. And just as it's easy to slip into this kind of lazy way of thinking about acupuncture, it's also all too easy to slip into this kind of lazy way of applying traditional Chinese medical theory to the practice of yin yoga. And I want to say this as gently and as with as much compassion as I can. I do realize that yin yoga teachers are trying to empower and offer to help their students in their practice. But there's frequently a kind of unintended and somewhat inadvertent kind of reductionism that can occur. And it's usually a case where a teacher links one sign or symptom to one organ or meridian. Here are some examples. Oh, you have lower back pain. Well, the lower back is governed by the kidneys, so if that's the case, you should just do some kidney and bladder flows more. You should do some kidney and bladder poses. That's one example. Or, oh, you're, uh, you're stressed and irritated, you say? Well, that's, those symptoms are associated with the liver, so you should go do a bunch of liver and gallbladder poses, or come to my class and do the liver-gallbladder sequence more frequently. Or, oh, you, you're suffering from insomnia, you're not sleeping very well? Well, I saw that that's a spirit disturbance that is connected to the heart. So you should do some more heart and small intestine poses to help balance that. Now, I understand the motivation and good intentions that are at play here. But this kind of application reduces the nuance and complexity of traditional Chinese medicine to a kind of paint-by-numbers push-button system. And that's not how Chinese medicine works. So how might we better describe the relationship between yin yoga and Chinese medicine. This is my perspective. Uh, you can take it or leave it. But I see yin yoga as an energy-enhancing practice that very broadly helps promote balance. The phrase I've used for a while is that yin yoga provides the mind-body with a homeostatic nudge. That is, the practice gently inclines you towards homeostatic balance. In no way will the average yin yogi be able to manipulate their energy with the same degree of specificity as that of a trained acupuncturist. What we are doing, and this is a good thing to do, is gently providing the system, your physical and mental system, with a nudge towards energetic balance. 
And on one level, I hope as practitioners and teachers, we can better escape the traps of reductionistic thinking that often occur. But more broadly, my hope is that in the coming lessons where I discuss the basic textures of energy in the body, where I explore the conduits by which those energies are conducted, you'll in time gain a more sophisticated and subtle appreciation in all that goes into the holistic approach of Chinese medicine. And ultimately, I hope you have ways of communicating that to your students, if you teach, in a way that is clear and empowering. I realize that's a tall order, but I'm ready to take the challenge with you. I look forward to sharing this upcoming series with you and highly welcome your questions and engagement. Okay, I'll stop there for now. And in the next episode of Everyday Sublime, I'll continue with this introductory series on Chinese medical theory by looking at the relationship between Taoist thought and the central theories of Chinese medicine. I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link in the show notes for you, and you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you'd like to study or train in yin yoga with me, check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.